Hello, everyone, and welcome to Season 4 of The View from Venus. My name is Mary Churchill, and on today's episode, I am joined by co-host Meg Palladino and guest expert Jacqueline Rodriguez, Vice President of Research, Policy, and Advocacy at the American Association of Colleges for Teacher Education in Washington, D.C., In today's episode, we'll be talking with Jackie about her move from a traditional faculty role to AACTE and what leadership has been like during COVID-19. Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. We are really excited about this conversation and excited to be back uh, recording our podcast for all of our listeners. Meg is going to start us off with a fun pop question and and get us warmed up. So go for it, Meg. All right, Jackie, it's so great to meet you. Um, Our first question of the day is, what is your favorite type of sandwich? Oh, this is such a great question. So I loved paninis. I like warm sandwiches. I'm not like a cold sandwich kind of gal. And I like grilled cheese. But I, my favorite is grilled ham and cheese, which I know is going to sound super strange to those people who know me as a vegetarian, but I'm Cuban and I grew up eating lots and lots and lots of pig products. So normally I would say something like a panini too, like a nice mozzarella, basil, tomato panini sounds good. But over the summer I was in Tunisia and I was introduced to what the Tunisians call the best sandwich in the world. And it might be. Um, and I forget the name of it, but it's basically similar to like a pizza, but you fold it up. So the crust is on the outside and the pizza stuff is inside. And then you put French fries in it and it is so good. So I love this. It might be that sandwich now. My favorite kind of classic sandwich is a turkey Reuben. So also a grilled cheese, right? Like a kind of um, fancy grilled cheese. I love the um, Russian dressing, the coleslaw, the thick slab of turkey and the Swiss cheese and the rye. And like, I just love it so much. So I'm also, I guess that's a lot, kind of a warm sandwich is yummy. Oh, delicious. Jackie, you moved from a traditional faculty role to your current role at AACTE. Tell yeah. us what that was like and what kinds of opportunities as an association like AACTE offers for folks trained in traditional PhD programs? Well, the transition was um, not seamless. There was a huge amount of growth and learning that I had to um, own and invest in over the course of, I really think more than at least a year. I think it probably took two years for me to really understand the role, not only the expectations, but how to successfully advocate and execute in the role. And I really appreciated the like latitude and patience that my colleagues had. Um, It wasn't simply moving to an association, but rather moving from the academy to a nonprofit. So two totally different types of business models, um, different types of working environments. And now to a degree, they're similar in that case with working environments, because as we all are remote, we're all navigating a sense of like, Uh, independence and autonomy and sometimes siloing, right? Because of the nature of how we're working. But um, when I first was approached about the role with AACTE, um, in truth, 
I had reached out to a colleague about becoming more involved with the association as a faculty member. And at that time, my expectation was that I would perhaps throw my hat in the ring for a committee or for um, a support volunteer role, or perhaps they needed somebody to consult on a particular project. I never envisioned um, a role in the executive team when I first engaged in these initial conversations. And I find it funny now, and I still think of myself if I only had had a mirror in the moment when my current CEO said to me, you know, I was really thinking more or less like assistant or vice president. And I thought she must have the wrong person. Like, I think she has me confused with the person she's actually meeting with next because it was so far-fetched for me to consider um, moving from the academy into that level of a role. And what I have now come to understand is the content expertise that someone in the academy has and the level of deep and rigorous research knowledge is what I think the role required. But in addition to that, I have found um, I'm an eager person. I think most people who have met me think of me as amiable and I can be um, zealous, right? Like I wanna go after it and get done and learn and continue. And I think that level of excitement about the work was something that she also wanted in the role because um, she wanted to make sure that as an association, we continue to present and be at the table in a way that encouraged others not only take us seriously, but to ask us to participate and to do more. So um, my first year or two, I did what I'm now coining like a listening tour slash uh, meet and greets where I was exploring relationships with lots of different organizations and different people. And that allowed me to understand where our association fit in the greater ecosystem the relationships that were already established from previous uh, staff members and how I could continue and um, help them thrive. And then how we wanted the, the association to present itself and what direction setting we wanted for the association. And it was short into my tenure at ACT that we engaged in our first strategic planning process. And then due to COVID and all of the racial injustice that the country faced, in particular in 2020, we went through another set of strategic planning processes that helped us course correct in some cases. So it was um, a really exciting path and I'm very happy that I took the leap, but I would say by no means was it easy or simple, um, but I feel like I'm a better person for having engaged in it. And I people ask if I miss working at an, an institution of higher education. And I do, I loved my job. I have to say that out loud because I think there could be this perhaps either an observation or because there um, is a vacancy in that conversation around my experience there that perhaps I didn't enjoy it, but I was surrounded by amazing colleagues. Like I still talk to those colleagues. I still try and engage them in the association's work. And when I think of experts in the field, I still think of them, like they, the people I worked with, I was so fortunate to be surrounded by true scholars. So from the Dean who hired me to the Dean I worked for, I couldn't say anything more or better about William and Mary. It was a great, great experience. So Jackie, um, it's my understanding that you lead a team that's predominantly women. Um, 
And tell me, what was that like during COVID? What were the challenges and the opportunities and, and what did you learn from the experience? Yeah, so during COVID, we have a six person team um, at that point and four of the six people on the team were women. And also to add that additional layer, two of my team members, including me, so three of us out of four had children. So um, it was an interesting kind of shift to see how the structure of an eight to five or a nine to five working environment when you came into the office uh, was, you know, put on top of its head, turned around 15 times, and then told to start walking straight for the next mile. Because it wasn't just go home and work, right? All of us experienced go home and work while your partner is also working. And perhaps you are now um, children are at home working as well as whatever COVID pet you acquired is now barking or meowing or, you know, parakeet in the background. So it was a zoo. It was a zoo. And I think it was for everybody. And here's what I found really helpful. We all got our dignity back. I feel like during that period of time, we as uh, professionals have as women, I think too, this is my perspective only always attempted to come across as put together and organized with structure and a sense of grace with a sense of tenacity. Imagine trying to balance all of those sort of um, polarizing characteristics. You want to come across as somebody who is deeply invested, but you can't be too excited. And you want to cross as somebody who is absolutely organized, but you can't be the only person pitching ideas. And then all of a sudden, we were back at home and everybody was experiencing the same kind of chaos. And we were allowed as women to have our children in the background walking across screens. And what I loved is that men also had their children walking through the backgrounds and no longer could the perception be that the man or the person who doesn't have these things actually factored into his work role actually now has to factor them in because it's quite obvious that those things are taking place. And I feel like that gave us back all of us some dignity. We're humans. We have the same experiences, many of us the same factors to consider. And all of us are pitching in oftentimes within the same levels and because we're all at home. And it wasn't just, well, you're the mom and the worker and you're so responsible for these things. Now everyone's at home. So we got to differentiate some roles, which was great, and ask our children to pitch in to some of those roles that they had not experienced prior to. And no, I'm not going to pick up that glass of water because it's your glass of water and you're working there. And if you want to move it, then, you know, you can move it. These are, I think it was wonderful. Um, but I think throughout COVID, there were different levels of um, acknowledgement around what the new expectations and norms were. And I always said out loud, because I would prefer to operate with transparency. I have children at home who are virtual learning in the background and you're gonna hear them. So I apologize if it gets really loud, just let me know. And it never did, but acknowledging that it could and acknowledging that they were there gave the person on the other end, whatever gender identity that person had, right? Um, or has to say, yeah, me too. And I have a crazy dog who is just like cooped up right now. And I found that in my colleagues, we became people again. 
And I really, really valued that because those relationships I felt like were accelerated to a degree that could not have happened without COVID. We would never have been in each other's homes in that same case. And I think everybody operated with a level of generosity of spirit too. Um, and I'm hoping that we continue in that same frame. Like I've noticed that even as kids go back to school, there's still a sense of like, yeah, my partner's in the background also taking a call. Nobody's upset because we all live the same life, you know? Um, but one thing that I felt like AECTE did really well, and I, I would like to celebrate is acknowledging that as a team, and still, yeah, predominantly women, but um, as a team, recognizing when the high productivity of that team needed to just press pause. And so our CEO worked with our executive team. And as a team, like we discussed, let's ensure that we put in some protocols. So we have a remote work task force that has established some guidelines for how to work well in, a, in an environment based on what our staff has said. And on Mondays, we have no meetings until noon because nobody likes to start Monday at 9 a.m. with a meeting. And we try to really honor that. And then we typically had in the past given people half-day Fridays over the summer months because it's a slower time. However, we continue that into the fall and throughout 21. So if there aren't external meetings and if you feel like you've tied things up with a bow at Friday noon, you can clock off and you can take care of the things that you don't really want to do on Saturday. You can get them done on Friday so you can actually take reprieve on Saturday. And we extended some holidays to be sure that you know people, if they needed a four-day weekend, they got it. We even gave, um, at the end of the summer of this year, people just got a four or five-day, I forget, weekend where we closed it like Thursday and Friday, I think, and Monday. Um, to honor that productivity. And I, I think the other pieces within our staffing structure, knowing that schools not being open and then reopening and then having to shut down sometimes, that meant that whoever was charged with dropping off small humans or picking up small humans, right? They were gonna have to need differentiated work time. So we asked team members to just tell us, if you're able to start work at seven, and you need to take a two hour break between 8.30 and 10.30 to do small human duties, that's fine. And then if you need to work till 5.30, we totally understand. And instead of taking vacation in the middle of the afternoon for an hour to go pick up small humans, we've said, take it as your lunch break or just take that hour and then finish the hour later so that there is a sense of um, compassion that we have for what it means to work from home during not just COVID, but I think into the future. And I think most people with families really appreciated that because it gave them um, a, a sense of security that they weren't being judged. Nobody was going to say that they were taking advantage of anything or that they weren't complying with the rules or that they weren't getting their job done. We trust our staff. They're getting their job. They're doing more than their job. Right. So now they have the flexibility to do that on the time that they have available. I love small human duties. That sounds like something Meg would say. <laughs> so, you know, I'd like to comment on this idea that we all got our dignity back um, after COVID. You know, I spent like two years, you know, in my pajamas with a kid on my lap. <laughs> and, 
I don't know if dignified is how I felt, but I can also tell you that like now I have to come back into the office three days a week and I'm two days at home. And the days that I come into the office, I just feel like a mess. I mean, I'm late and I um, forgot my lunch and like, you know, I don't know if I remember to comb my hair and it's so stressful to come in. And so I kind of miss the days in my pajamas with my kid on my lap, honestly. You know, to that point, I have some really beautiful blouses that I bought during COVID. So I would wear pajama bottoms and like these gorgeous blouses. <laughs> That's nice. See, you know what I did? I moved twice right, during COVID and I got rid of all my stuff. Like I didn't, so when it was time to come back, I'm like, I have like two pairs of pants. I don't have any shoes. I certainly have no like nice, I had a few nice tops. I mean, I have maybe three sweaters. And so I was like, I need some work shoes. So I went out and bought a pair of Doc Martens, which aren't Fubogs, but I was like, they're good oh, enough. So great. Yeah, no, so I know. great. And that's my professional shoes now. And so I feel like my idea of what's professional has shifted a little bit. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And I, I, I will say, when I think about like our dignity, I feel like we value the right things right now when it comes to our professional colleagues, right? Like we didn't, we value if they come to the table with um, added encouragement with ideas, solutions, if they troubleshoot these, what we used to call like uh, competencies around like emotional intelligence. But these are really dispositional characteristics that I feel like get to elevate during, during COVID. We start to realize like, it doesn't actually matter if somebody comes in late to a Zoom meeting as opposed to an office meeting, or if they're wearing the, the most latest and greatest, you know, on their wristwatch or on their shoes, or if their hair is perfectly coiffed, like nobody cares. We care if you're in it for the mission, if you're going to move out on it, and if I can depend on you to, to get the work done. And I felt like that was the part that, like the dignity of the work, right? Like that was the part that I was, so I treasured, I really treasured. Yeah, no, I, I think that really resonated the centering the work. I just think that so much of what you shared though, really, um, Jackie is, uh, it's very eye opening the type of work that you're doing. And I think the opportunities for uh, folks in higher ed to move into another sector like the nonprofit sector, the advocacy work, the policy work, the lobbying, you know, kind of like, how do you do this work? Mm -hmm. So it's, you know, there's one thing to come up with a great uh, idea. It's another to implement it and to get it funded and to make people mm -hmm. believe in it, right? To sell the idea to those who have the power to make it happen, right? So I am really grateful for the work that you do. And thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure. I really enjoyed it. It was great. Thank you so much. That was awesome. As always, thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week with Shannon McDonald from the University of Waterloo in Canada. 